Welcome to River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg. My name is Nolan Bicknell. With me, as always, is my co-host, Robert Zirk. On today's show, RC360 Stacy Cardigan-Smith visits Urban Shaman, one of Canada's most prominent Indigenous-run art galleries, and learns more about how it's getting the community engaged and involved in art. Then we'll hear from the women behind the second annual Friends for Life Ladies Luncheon, an event in support of Jocelyn House Hospice and Misericordia Health Centre. And Noah Ehrenberg, the convener of Community News Commons, will join us to discuss the latest in citizen journalism through the lens of CNC. All this, some great tunes, and much, much more on today's episode of River City 360. City 360, Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. Robert, how was your week? It was a pretty good week. How was yours? A bit of a short week. As you know, I had a bout of food poisoning earlier, so it's uh, it's good to be back. Good to be back at full strength for sure. Uh, we've got a great show coming up today. Uh, before we start today's program, I want to thank everyone who called in with the answer to our trivia question last week uh, during the Promising Project segment. It's a brand new segment where we're going to be hearing from some of the uh, grants team here at the Winnipeg Foundation, and they're going to tell us about some, well, promising projects that are coming down the pipe from the foundation. So uh, thank you very much for calling in. We're going to tell you who the winner was a little later on in the show, so stay tuned for that. But we've also got another round of trivia questions, So, uh, and you can win a, uh, a $50 gift to any charity of your choosing. That's right, and we've got a really great show coming up today. Uh, we're going to start off with uh, RC360 Stacy Cardigan-Smith's interview with Urban Shaman's Becca Taylor. She's the curatorial resident there. Um, and as you just mentioned, we'll have another contest coming up later on in the program, so be sure to keep listening for that. We're going to kick things off with a song for now, though. Here is The Foundations with Baby Now That I've Found You right here on River City 360.
Welcome back to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. You know, 20 years ago, Urban Shaman began as a small cooperative gallery in the dark basement of a building in the Exchange District. Today, it is one of three prominent Indigenous-run centers in Canada. It exhibits contemporary First Nations, Métis, and Inuit art, and works to encourage discussion about all three. Our very own Stacey Cardigan-Smith recently sat down with Becca Taylor, Urban Shaman's curatorial resident, about getting community involved in art and much more. Here she is. My name is Becca Taylor, and I'm the Aboriginal cur- Curator in Residence, awarded through the Canada Council. Okay, so what does that mean? Um, so the Canada Council had a um, call out for submissions for, um, and they were doing it annually. Um, I'm not sure if they did it again this year, but they do a call out for an Aboriginal curator. And what they do is um, you apply as a, an Aboriginal curator and you partner with a institute. So you can go work with them for a year to two years. Um, and the end goal is for you to curate a show out of it. So I applied, um, like myself and Dana had been in conversation. Um, we had partnered a number of times beforehand. So we decided that I was gonna apply for it and Urban would be my, my support, um, the Artist Run Center that was gonna support me. So we just, yeah, I just applied. I came up with a project idea, like I got letters of support and I submitted it and I was lucky enough to be awarded it. So, so tell me about, you mentioned a couple different projects. Yeah. Um, that you've worked on or that you are working on. Yes. Could you tell me about those? Sure. So the la- my first uh, curator project that I did with Urban Shaman was a project called Mapping Identities, a Decolonizing Arts Practice. And so what we did was I invited uh, mentoring artist Prabha Pillar to come in and work with a group of youth at a transitional school, Nadoni Transitional School in the North End, and what we did was we managed to get funding through the Thomas Hill Foundation and we were able to pay Prabha to go in and work with them for six weeks and to do workshops with them and work with them through mapping identity. So through language, imagery, and allow them to really create their own um, identity through these words and images. Um, and the thing is about working with a transitional school or youth who um, need a little bit extra um, support is like it is very uh they do come and go so you have to be flexible within your programming right so um because they're not always going to be able to make it there so um that's something we quickly realized and we realized that we need to be really flexible within the project and and the school had already been we were lucky enough the school had already been talking to them a lot about decolonizing practices so we were able to just really go in and continue that discussion and work with them um, and then it resulted in a show and so some of these, like, these are the very complex ideas in a way, um, or for, I guess from the outside, they seem like they are complex. So with these, with these kids you were working with, like you said, they had already been working on some of that area. Like, mm-hmm. do you have to change the language or do, do they get it? Or how does that work? You know, like, it's amazing working with youth. I've been working with youth for a really long time youth generally get it like they know what's going on and they know what's going on around them you don't really have to inform them too much they're very receptive to the world and i think we don't give them enough credit for that so coming in like there's there's a few language like words that we use that they would be like well what do you mean exactly we'd explain and they're like no we know exactly what you mean now right so it's so it was just really they just really got it and they, they intuit it right yeah like, they they knew like they know what's going on like they live in the north end like they're indigenous youth living in the city living in the north end you know like they they understand what's happening around them 
you know, we don't need to go in and tell them what's happening. They're, they're living it. They understand completely, you know, and they have their own ideas and they have their own um, perceptions and how they want to be moving forward and how they want to be perceived as well. You know, like, cause a lot of them get referred to like as high risk youth or, you know, troubled, you know, which they're not. Yeah. So, all. so what, what came about after your project? Like what were some of the great results? Um, so th- because we were so flexible, um, we were able to take all the things they worked on. We didn't work on one necessarily one big thing. What we did was we worked on a lot of small different images and projects and we ended up combining it into one large image for them. And we got it printed out a professional printer. Um, and they came into the space and they installed it. And then what they ended up doing was they ended up making one large overlaying map through the whole gallery and connecting their works together with words that were common that all of them said, like community, love, family, the North End. And they were just able to create this huge space that was theirs. That was just completely theirs. Um, they used the floors, the ceilings and everything and, and just connected themselves to everything and their homes where they are from, because not all of them are from the city. They have a really interesting migration path throughout their life that they were able to also look at because, like, and I, I, I get that as well, like, being from Alberta, you know, like, like I'm always going to be there. As much as I love Winnipeg, like, I'm always going to be there. So my identity is cross Canada. Very cool. And you talked, um, you talked about, I mean, that's one way where you really got community into the gallery here. Specifically, yeah. Tell me more ways, I mean, you said working with community is really important to you. What are some other ways that you can take some of the amazing work that's being done here and, and you're getting it out to the community and getting community involved? For sure, yeah. Uh, Perceptions was another really great project for that. And it wasn't, um, like, it was a call out for people to be a part of it, but as well as we actually physically took it and put it outside. So it wasn't exhibited in the gallery ever. Like, it was in the public realm. So the passerbys became the audience. It wasn't directed at the specific audience that comes into the gallery. So everybody became involved. And it did draw in a lot more people with interest because people wanted to know what's going on. Like, who did this? Like, how do I get involved? Because I want my story told. So we heard from so many other different people and passerbys saying, like, we had no idea. Like, you know, and and that was a great way um, to really engage that outside. And I think that's, in my personal opinion, with contemporary art and these projects is that you have to be um, put work out into the public space, right? And like, and I feel like it could be a lot of different ways it could be happen, or or even if you have it within the space, like involving the community through conversations, like walking with their sisters was a great example, you know, and, and the community conversations that were surrounded that project and, and the community was directly involved in the installation. Thanks so much, Stacy. And just a quick note that RC360 had actually covered the launch of Perception, which is the photo exhibition by Casey Adams that Becca had mentioned, way back in our first season. If you'd like to hear that, you can find the episode in our show archive. Just visit us online. The web address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. Coming up after the break, we'll hear from Jackie Stephen, Executive Director of Jocelyn House Hospice, and Karen Woloschuk, Executive Director of Misericordia Health Center Foundation. And that, and they will tell us all about an event that happened earlier this week called the Friends for Life Ladies Luncheon, the second annual, in support of their respective organizations. But first, here's Candy and Cake by Mindy Carson, right here on RC360. Candy and Cake Candy and Cake 
My honey's as sweet a treat as eating candy and cake Sugar and spice Everything nice And kissing them once ain't near as sweet as kissing them twice I can be smart I can be wise But oh, when he rolls his roly-poly jelly bean eyes I shiver and shake My heart would just break If some other love should rob me of my candy and cake He's as sweet a treat as eating candy and cake Sugar and spice Oh, everything nice And kissing them once ain't near as sweet as kissing them twice I can be smart I can be wise But oh, when he rolls his roly-poly jelly bean eyes I shiver and shake My heart would just break If some other love should rob me of my candy and cake for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. Jocelyn House Hospice has been providing end-of-life care and residence to those unable to live alone but not wanting to necessarily live in a hospital since 1985. Jocelyn House teamed up with the Misericordia Health Center Foundation earlier this week for their second annual Friends of Life Ladies Luncheon, and River City 360's Luann Lovelin was there. One person Luann spoke to was Karen Woloschuk, Executive Director of Misericordia Health Center Foundation. She told River City 360 why the partnership between Misericordia and Jocelyn House just made sense. Misericordia Health Center Foundation has partnered with Jocelyn House Hospice to put on this event. The first event was in 2015, so this is our second annual event. And we're two organizations that have similar um, interests and mandates, I guess you could say. So we are both looking after older adults, have older adults, 
adults in our care that are approaching the end of life. And so with that similarity thought we could put together an event to bring together people in support of our various organizations and uh, have a nice time doing it as well. Luann also spoke with Jackie Stephen, the executive director of Jocelyn House Hospice, and she told us all about her organization, how it got started, and how they decided to start the Friends for Life Ladies Luncheon. So Jocelyn House um, was uh, the result of a family who had a um, daughter who passed away at the age of 17 of cancer, and the family um, were, were so moved by her courage and strength during her final days that they wanted to give something back to, this, to the community. And so uh, donated their home and founded the, actually Jocelyn House turned out to be the first uh, freestanding hospice in Western Canada. And that was in 1985. We're at the uh, Friends for Life, second annual Friends for Life Ladies Luncheon in support of Jocelyn House and also the Misericordia Health Centre. Um, and this came about because uh, I, have a fr I have friends at, the, at Misericordia and I thought, what a wonderful idea to talk, have a friendship luncheon that um, sort of celebrates the friendship between our two organizations, but also um, extends friendship to uh, not only the community, but to specifically our residents and patients. And um, we found, we just, we, you know, we're always we're in fundraising mode all the time, and so we wanted to make sure that we are always finding new avenues for revenues and um, development sources. And uh, we thought, you know, it, it would be a great, um, demographic or a great target group to talk to women and to expand our, our um, exposure to women and specifically the business community and that sort of thing so that's how it came about. Sadly uh, our population is aging of course and, um, and there's only um, a lot of people would be surprised to know there's only 16 hospice beds in Manitoba um, and only 61 palliative care beds including hospice in our province so with an aging population we're, we're certainly um, you know we're, we're falling far short of the need. We were also lucky enough to speak with one of the ladies that attended the luncheon, Julie DeVille. She hosted a table of 10 women, consisting of some old friends, some new friends, and some she's had for over 50 years. We asked her about why they were there and why she thought the lunch was important. I'm here because um, I want to support the two great organizations. Um, they're wonderful, they do many great things. Plus, I get together with three other friends once a month for lunch. So this was perfect for June, and they readily came because we, we enjoyed it last year, and it, it's a wonderful thing to do. If you'd like to learn more about Jocelyn House Hospice, you can visit www.jocelynhouse.ca, and if you'd like to learn more about Misericordia Health Centre, you can visit www.misericordia.mb.ca. Thanks, Nolan. Coming up after the break, the latest installment in our series called Promising Projects, where staff on the Winnipeg Foundation's grants team highlight some of the projects from the Foundation's most recent round of community grants. Plus, we'll be asking a trivia question based on the organization we're going to be featuring today, so stay tuned for your chance to win and have a gift made in your name to a charity of your choice. But first, we're going to play a quick song. Here's Randy Newman with You've Got a Friend in Me right here on River City 360. You've got a friend in me you got a friend in me When the road looks rough ahead And you're miles and miles from your nice warm bed you just remember what your old pal said Boy, you got a friend in me 
Back to River City 360, Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. So, Robert, it's time to talk about promising projects. And that also means that it's trivia time. And that also means that it's giveaway time. That's right. And for the second week in a row, for those uh, of our listeners who are listening live on 93.7 CJNU, you will have the opportunity to answer a trivia question and be awarded a $50 gift to any registered charity of your choice. Last week, our winner was D, who was the first caller in to answer the trivia question, what are two types of livestock that Fort White Farms raised? Her answer was pigs and poultry, which is correct. Uh, so D has been awarded a $50 gift to the charity of her choosing. Congratulations, D, and thank you very much for, call- for calling in. Now, if that sounds like a contest that you would like to win, you're in luck, because we're going to be doing the same thing this week. Coming up shortly is the next installment in our new series called Promising Projects. Afterward, we'll ask a weekly trivia question that relates to the project that was highlighted, and the first person to call in to our listener line, 204-944-9474, extension 360, and answer the trivia question correctly, will get to make a $50 a $50 grant to a registered charity of their choice. Make sure when you call in your entry, be sure to leave your contact details so we can get in touch if you're the winner and let us know which charity you would like us to allocate your gift to. So without further ado, here is the second installment in our brand new series, Promising Projects, right here on River City 360. Rick Lucier. I'm a senior grants associate with the foundation and uh, I've been with the foundation for about 23 years so uh, working in the grants field that that whole time and uh, 
and have been carrying on uh, working with, with the community over that course of time. One of the projects that kind of jumped out at me was a project that the University of Winnipeg Foundation and Global College came in with and it was called the Human Rights Hub Project. And, and it, it's interesting because it started actually as an initiative that we supported through our Emerging Leaders Fellowship Program, which is a, a program where we support either post-secondary uh, students or young professionals in terms of a project that they create and they work with a, a, a charitable organization, bring the project to us and, and we support them in, in, the, in the form of a fellowship for up to a year. And that's how the, the genesis of this project came through uh, an Emerging Leaders Fellowship and, uh, and there was a, uh, a, a person by the name of uh, Christy McLeod who came forward with, the, with the, the idea and the idea was really to try to link citizens up with various uh, organizations that are looking at or taking on human rights issues and, and her concern was there's lots of people out there that want to do something but aren't aware of what's going on. So the hub is, is, uh, is, is interesting because it's it's a shared blog, so people can contribute to discussions on issues. It's a, uh, an opportunities portal, as they call it, so it provides opportunities for volunteering or for, for employment in the, area, in, the, uh, in the area. And then there's also a shared calendar, so that events that are going on can be uh, made aware of and then so people can attend. And they've seen some, great, you know, some success, apparently, in, uh, in, in the past few months. It's only been operating for some months. They have eight partner organizations right now and, uh, and what this grant is doing is allowing them to expand that. So they're going to uh, you know, try to uh, increase the number of partners and then increase the, the content on the site so that there can be more participation and the theory being you know, uh, uh, you know, an informed uh, citizenship is an engaged one. We're a center of attention on, on human rights right now just by the placement of the museum. Here. I've often heard it said that you know that if you go up into the tower of the of the museum and and and, and sort of look at the at the, at the the vista that you know uh, what are you looking out on and, and 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 you're looking out on Winnipeg and how you know how do we stack up in terms of how we're addressing human rights? So I mean it kind of puts us on on that stage and then I think this very practically gets uh, allows people to become involved with the organizations that are working in the area. That was Promising Projects, a new segment right here on River City 360. Now, regular listeners of our show will remember that we interviewed the founder and managing director of the Human Rights Hub on River City 360 a few months ago. So our trivia question, which pertains to the last segment, is very simple. Who is the founder and managing director of the Human Rights Hub? Rick only mentioned her name once in his interview, so we definitely hope you were listening. If you have the answer, or you think you know the answer... Call into our listener line and leave us that answer. Be sure to also leave your name and contact information and the charity that you would like a $50 gift to be made to. The very first person to call in right now and leave us a message on our listener line with the correct information will be able to make that $50 grant to any registered charity right here in Manitoba. If you'd like the number to call, it is 204-944-9474, extension 360. Again, that's 204-944-9474, extension 360 and we'll give out the phone number one more time before we sign off today. When we come back, Noah Ehrenberg will join us to discuss the latest stories written by citizen journalists here in Winnipeg on Community News Commons. But first, we're going to play a song, Here's Yours by Lucille Starr right here on River City 360. Yours. 
Thank you for listening to River City 360. Nolan and Robert here with you this morning. And we're now joined in studio by Noah Ehrenberg. He's the convener of Community News Commons. Noah, thanks for joining us. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's been a w- we haven't seen you in a while. What have, you, what have you been up to? I heard you took an excursion out west for a while. That's right. And um, we went out to uh, Vancouver and Victoria. Uh, Very nice. Myself and a few other colleagues at the Winnipeg Foundation to visit... Uh, folks at uh, foundations cool. in those two cities and um, brought back some knowledge and some know-how absolutely and, uh, and I'll tell you something they really uh, look at CNC Community News Commons in a way like wow I can't believe you guys have that well there. it's kind of a rare thing to have for a, for a community I think to have a citizen run journalism project like that so I would imagine it's kind of a, yeah. a, a bit of a eureka moment for other yeah. foundations as it well it is it is and it makes me feel like wow we are fortunate here uh, in Winnipeg to be able to do this we're fortunate for a lot of reasons CNC mm-hmm. being one of them another reason being one of them there was a qu- fairly fun uh parade and and festival on last weekend the pride parade uh we haven't covered it on river city 360 but i understand cnc covered it a little bit in some ways what, oh, yeah. what was the angle well actually taken? there was a couple of uh reporters marie leblanc uh was at the parade uh, last week and she uh uh, took some great photos and uh, did a great story. But then, um, as well, uh, another um, Community News Commons reporter named Armand Martin, who's done a, a few stories uh, for CNC, she wrote an interesting story about how business 
is realizing the how valuable the pink dollar is. Uh, the pink dollar being the LGBT the, dollar, it, exactly, and how sense. much money uh, the community, the LGBT community, spends. And uh, consumers in that community would be spending more than eight hundred billion dollars every year. Oh. And um, tough to ignore that. It then. is, and it's very interesting to see how things have changed. You know, right. uh, it took many, many years for the advertising uh, community or industry to to uh, you know market to that uh, particular community but um, they've realized this is a good thing and uh, at least business wise and mm-hmm. so she quotes from uh, the TD Bank group as well as from uh, RBC Royal Bank uh, Home Depot Canada wow. all these different organizations she makes the point that that um, that when these organizations go ahead and look at um, the question of okay let's go get that business but what are we doing for the LGBT um, employees right. at these particular organizations. That's sort of the main question. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they sort of get their own shop in order. And um, so, you know, sort of this positive byproduct of this increased awareness is that it also benefits LGBT right. employees it's in kind any of particular. Put, put your money where your mouth is a little bit. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's a really good article by Armand Martina. I always like the stuff that she does. And um, and uh, it's uh, great that, uh, you know, our listeners, uh, I think, uh, should uh, take a read of that Very on cool. our community newscommons.org. So what else is happening on communitynewscommons.org? Well, you know, another one of my favorite reporters, they're all favorite <laughs> reporters of mine. <laughs> they're like but children, aren't exactly. they? Exactly. Yeah. You can't uh, like one over the other. But Joan Suzuki has been writing a lot of oh, great yeah. articles. Friend of the show. She's been it, on the show. Exactly. And Joan is an educator. She's a teacher in uh, in Winnipeg. And uh, she is a new member of the Council for Aboriginal Education in Manitoba. Uh, so um, their, one of their main things is to look at reconciliation in the education industry or education system. And Joan recently visited this new National Center for Truth and Reconciliation, which is essentially the center over at the campus of the University of Manitoba. Oh, the I Fort was going to say, campus. is that in Toronto or Ottawa or something? But it is right here on the U of M Fort Garry campus, um, just along the Red River in uh, what is the Chancellor's Hall. It used to be where, the, mm-hmm. I guess, the Chancellor used to live. But uh, it's a beautiful building. They've redone it. And um, inside, so Joan basically takes us on a little tour of what's inside, and there's there's all these different artifacts, all of these different. Um, I mean, basically, there's there's huge amounts of information and research, and just a number of different things that people can access as a way to understand this uh, shared history. Very you cool. know, and uh, and not just to understand it, but to to really. Um, uh, you know, take that history and figure out uh, what's the best way forward. So it, it creates a, a pathway to, to reconciliation in, in many respects. And Joan, uh, as she always does, she does such a nice job of covering this story. So I think our listeners would be interested in, in looking at that story. It's called, uh, what's it called? Oh, it's called New Center Reveals Shared History Affecting Us All. Very cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. Joan is a fantastic writer, and it's uh, great to see her continuing to uh, to produce some work for CNC because mm-hmm. she's a very, very good writer. Yeah, and I will also mention that we have uh, three weeks of workshops left. So if you want to become a good writer as well. These workshops are great. I mean, the last three weeks, uh, there's some advanced writing. Uh, there's some stuff about audio, podcasting, what you do, obviously. Uh, and there's uh, there's a very interesting uh, session about uh, human rights. Oh, and, cool. um, and basically how to get your message out if you are... Um, doing something with regards to uh, human rights or with regards to some sort of social project. Uh, and that's um, uh, going to be delivered, uh, facilitated by Christy McLeod from the Human Rights Hub. Very uh, cool. So she'll be doing that. But the, essentially the, the, um, the courses are Tuesday and Thursday evenings from 6 to 8. 
And people can just sign up on cnc.wpg.org? And there's a little story that says CNC offers multimedia workshops. You look at there, you can see the times and the places that we offer those. Very cool to hear. Mm -hmm. Well, every week, we didn't get to do it last week because, as we mentioned, you were in BC. Mm -hmm. But we like to ask you to bring us a song that maybe we haven't heard before because uh, there's such a rich, diverse talent pool here in in Manitoba. Um, so we want to hear some Manitoba artists. What have you got for us this week? Well, this week I do have a really diverse group. They're called The Heights. Uh, they are set to launch their debut self-titled EP. Uh, actually, they launched it last night oh, at cool. the um, Pyramid Cabaret um, to, I think, what, what was a, uh, a, tr- uh, a very large audience. Um, they, um, their quartet, um, they, their signature uh, sound, I guess, is rock and funk and pop and soul, you know, kind of a mixture of all those. They have a really nice sound. Um, they, um, they will be um, uh, at... Uh, the Canada Day celebrations on Osborne Village Street Festival. Oh, nice. Uh, and they were going to hit the road in August, but um, there's, uh, they'll be playing various places around Manitoba. So keep your eyes open for the heights and uh, keep your ears open because we're going to feature this tune of theirs called Sweater Season right here on River City 360 on CGNU 93.7 FM. I've been looking, but I just can't find no satisfaction or peace of mind. too fast I've been reaching for it I just can't grasp your love is like the summer it's gone too fast sweater season coming to your town watch the leaves they hit the ground feel your heartbeat with every sound when just what you would not give feel your touch upon your lips though she won't be coming
That's a wrap on this week's episode of River City 360. Thank you very much for listening and a huge thank you to all of our guests for talking to us today. If you'd like to hear more views and news from around Winnipeg, listen to any of our past episodes or subscribe to our podcast, please visit us online. The website address is rivercity360.org. Again, that's rivercity360.org. River City 360, views and news from around Winnipeg, is a project of the Winnipeg Foundation in partnership with 93.7 CJNU-FM. And we'd love to hear your feedback about the show. Please give us a call. Our number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. You can leave us a comment about the show, request a song that you'd like to hear, or suggest a topic for a future show. Again, the number is 204-944-9474, extension 360. We're also on Twitter and Facebook. You can search at RiverCity360 on Twitter and RiverCity360 on Facebook as well. I'm Nolan Bicknell, signing off for River City 360. And I'm Robert Zirk. Thank you again so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a great Sunday. I guess